This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The terms of those handouts to boost electric vehicle sales in the U.S. have quite a bit of fine print. That fine print, of course, negotiated among members of Congress, has some unintended consequences, angering trading partners, potentially negating environmental benefits. And oh, yes, it will cost taxpayers a bundle. Scott Lincecum comments. This is pretty common in policymaking, which is... Well, we've got this goal over here, but we've also got these other goals over here. What if we did this goal maybe a little less effectively in order to placate the interest groups that are really interested in this other goal over here that may very well be at cross purposes with goal number one? Yeah, and and this is a core flaw in industrial policy, right, that um, the grandest plans on paper uh, rarely, if ever, are the plans put into practice because politics is inevitably going to intervene. So, you know, as I said, um, if you want to encourage the proliferation of a new technology, a consumer subsidy, um, like a tax credit for a purchase of an EV, is not a terrible way to do it. Uh, there are a lot fewer economic distortions than, you know, just like handing out a bunch of money to a Foxconn factory in Wisconsin. Um, the problem, of course, is that that's never where the plan stops. You're going to have guys like Joe Manchin are going to demand all this sort of stuff, and then the populists are going to demand income caps, and and then you actually have to implement it. So once the legislators get done screwing it all up, then you have to give it to the bureaucrats. And the bureaucrats have their own uh, issues to deal with. Um, some, I think, legitimate, others not so legitimate. Um, and you end up with this kind of mishmash of confusing rules and regulations that really undermines whatever textbook benefits uh, you were going to get. And here again, in the EV subsidies case, uh, there there are several of these issues. For example, uh, the uh, the the Inflation Reduction Act text says that only free trade agreement countries can qualify for uh, the batteries uh, limitations um, and thus get the subsidy. But uh, the Treasury Department realized, well, that's going to leave out Europe and it's going to leave out some other countries if we if we adhere to the traditional definition of a free trade agreement. So we're going to kind of fudge it. And they issued this initial guidance uh, that that indicates they're just going to decide other countries might possibly be free trade agreement countries too, um, which injects all sorts of uncertainty in the process. They also uh, decided, like I said, that um, there were, uh, because the subsidies were so limited um, because of the made in America or made in North America requirement, that they were going to allow, um, they were going to interpret this rule related to commercial vehicles to include leased vehicles. So now they're going to provide the full uh, subsidy to any leased vehicle, regardless of where it's made, which of course has weird unintended consequences related to um, uh, maybe encouraging automobile leases, which really aren't the best financial uh, move out there. So, um, and then finally, the rules have different val- subsidy values for SUVs versus cars. So that, of course, sets off a lobbying frenzy to determine what's an SUV and what's a car. Um, but it also um, can encourage the consumption of electric SUVs, which are heavier. They're not as environmentally friendly. And if you look at something like that Hummer EV out there are like 
tanks that actually have very little uh, environmental benefit and then raise some safety issues. Because if that Hummer EV hits you, because it gets like zero to 60 in like four seconds, if it hits you at full speed, you're in, I mean, you're a pancake. And it's probably quiet. <laughs> right. Uh, so it just doesn't sound like a speed bump. And so there are, there are all sorts of distortions that are now baked into our rules um, that, and in the case of the heavy SUVs one, might end up like cafe regulations, which had similar carve-outs and thus haven't been effective at all, really, in, in improving overall uh, fuel economy because um, it basically pushed everybody into, into driving SUVs. Obviously, the argument for, the, for these kinds of subsidies is pretty weak. There are all sorts of unintended consequences yep. that benefit people with whom the U.S. doesn't have great relations with. That would be enough for you and me. But it's clearly not enough for yeah. people who are very interested in no. increasing EV adoption. Yeah. And it's weird uh, in this case in particular, because it seems, you know, like so many things that a lot of people's brains are stuck in what I would call a pre-pandemic mindset. Uh, in two ways. One is they don't think people are interested in adopting environmental technologies like EVs on their own. Uh, but it, in reality, 2021 saw a massive boom in private investment in all sorts of renewable uh, technologies and EVs and the rest. Companies were uh, uh, fighting over each other to build new facilities in the United States and elsewhere. Um, so this, this idea that you really needed government to get in there and subsidize demand, which is the primary reason for the government needs to get involved in these types of boondoggles, is because, oh, there's not demand out there and the government has to supply that demand. Well, that wasn't there. Uh, but then the other big thing that that people's brains haven't caught up to is uh, the jobs issue, right? Um, every piece of legislation that comes out of Washington has to have a jobs number attached to it, right? Um, despite the fact that we are living in a uh, job scarcity environment, uh, you know, that uh, there are uh, at one point, there were a million job openings in manufacturing last year. There's still several, several hundred thousand uh, manufacturers can't find enough workers. And yet politicians say, no, this has to be a made in America uh, requirement, a buy American requirement tied to these subsidies. Because, again, they just they're kind of caught in this um, jobism uh, mindset that that is long past. Uh, should we remind our friends in the Democratic Party, the degree to which Donald Trump uh, made a lot of noises about domestic content yeah. when it comes to vehicles. Oh, yeah. I mean, Biden is sounding just like Trump when it comes to uh, these um, these American made mandates. Um, and Biden is just like Trump really ticking off our allies, particularly in Europe, hence the Treasury Department scrambling and, and these bogus trade agreements. Um, and that's very, very Trumpian, too. Um, and not only does that sour diplomatic relations, but it also potentially leads to a, a subsidy race of sorts. Because the Europeans, they saw these subsidies, they saw they couldn't qualify, they saw some of their manufacturers were, you know, like uh, companies here when they play states against each other, the manufacturers are now playing the, the governments against each other. And now the Europeans want to provide their own subsidies. So we're just going to have a, a world awash in all of these distorted subsidies. Instead of letting the market do what it was already doing in moving towards these uh, environmentally friendly technologies. And of course, there's a whole other side of this, as we've discussed many times, removing regulations on domestic production yeah. of various things seems never 
to occur to the Biden administration. Yeah, and it's even worse in this case because uh, a large swath of experts on the right, the left, the center um, were prior to the Inflation Reduction Act passage saying, look, the problem is not on the demand side, it's on the supply side, particularly regulation, particularly things like the National Environmental Policy Act or NEPA and some state level equip- uh, equivalents that were really gumming up uh, the ability to implement new projects related to renewable energy or EV facilities, whatever. Um, Senator Manchin had negotiated as part of his caving on the IRA a permitting reform bill that would get on some of these issues. And of course, uh, Schumer and Biden and others said, sure, Joe, sure, sure, we'll do it. And then the minute the IRA passed, uh, permitting reform got shelved. So we got all of the demand and we got none of the supply liberalization, which, of course, when you goose demand and it runs headfirst into a supply wall, you get higher prices, you get all sorts of weird distortions. Um, and that's basically where we are right now. Zero supply side reforms, all uh, demand side stimulus. Um, and then we get to just watch as things kind of spiral. And so based on demand side stimulus, significant supply side constraints. To what extent are we effectively subsidizing EVs that were purchased, made in other countries? Uh, well, for the lease stuff, we're 100% doing that. Um, you know, because the that new lease loophole, um, there's this one. It's going to certainly be that. Um, the rest, it's really hard to say because the, I think that the really interesting thing to watch is what happens to prices. Um, are you know prices thanks to a Tesla price cut have kind of moderated a bit. But are these subsidies going to actually be pushing prices higher and essentially washing out the benefit of the subsidies? It's really just hard, hard to say. Um, but certainly, uh, we're, there's going, it's going to be a lot messier because, again, we didn't do any of that supply side stuff. Well, it, the, the idea of prices going up seems, at least in the next few years, kind of a hard sell, if only because so many different automakers have fully EV vehicles that will be coming online. Uh, yeah. And and so it, it really is going to be I think that's going to be the big question is, are these EVs going to actually be something that consumers are going to going to buy, even with the subsidies? Um, and given that we are uh, encouraging the production of more expensive SUVs with the subsidies and just, you know, other things like our truck tariff, by the way, uh, and uh, just general consumer taste that kind of push towards that. Uh, and the fact that we have these limitations that are cutting off some of the cheapest and uh, most uh, the, the the vehicles that would maybe maybe encourage wider adoption. Uh, Volkswagen, for example, just announced uh, a a Golf that was even after a subsidy was only be like twenty thousand dollars, which is a pretty sweet deal for a, a Volkswagen EV. Not going to be sold here in the United States at all, and so uh, because in part the, of these subsidy rules. So you just have to ask yourself, you know, what are we actually doing to this market? Are we trying to encourage uh, the adoption of EVs or are we just trying to, you know, uh, look like we are? Scott Lindsecum directs general economics at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 